0: Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here.
1: And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. How many of you all have enjoyed In The Flow? How many of you have learned something so far in this series? We're talking about worship in this series. And it's called In The Flow because that's right where you want to be. As you navigate through life, you're going to bump up against some decisions. You're going to bump up against some ideas. You're going to bump up against some circumstances. And you're going to need God's download. You're going to need God's hand. You're going to need God's information to help you navigate it properly. And that's what we're teaching you. One of the most intrinsic ways to get in the flow is through worship a proper understanding and a proper execution of worship. And so we started out the series in week one talking about the bottom line, and the bottom line is this, everybody worships. The bottom line is this, everybody was created to worship. The question that you have to answer is, what am I worshiping? What am I worshiping? Because we worship the thing or the things that we value the most. And so we started off with that, just getting the bottom line out the way. You're worshiping whether you realize it or not. The key is to begin to worship God, because that's who you were created to worship. And then last week we had Eric here. He did an amazing job, didn't he? And he taught us about the cost of worship, because there's a price tag. To worship God is free but it has a price tag. And um, we have to be willing to pay the price or the cost of worship. We have to be aware of it and we have to be willing to pay it because on the other side is a blessing that we won't have room for. It's a relationship that we never experience the closeness that we will have with our Heavenly Father when we decide to pay the cost of worship. And, And I'm going to Help us move into this week by reading one verse in two different versions. Okay, one verse in two different versions. And that verse is Proverbs 29 and 25. I'm gonna start with the NLT and then I'm gonna go into the message. Proverbs 29 and 25. When you got it, say, I got it. I got it. If you don't have it, say, hold up. We're going to wait for the Android users to catch up. (laughs) Then we'll be all good. All right, Proverbs 29, 25, NLT. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Let's look at that same verse in the message translation. The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. I'm going to read that one more time. The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. So this week, I'm going to be teaching a message titled, You've Been Blocked. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We bless you. We ask that you come into this place, that you take over, that you, Rest, rule, abide, and that you do what you set out to accomplish in this day before there was even a calendar. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been blocked. In high school, uh, I played football. And one of the positions that I played the most was offensive tackle. I was the left offensive tackle, which is super important because my quarterback was right-handed. So that means every time he throws, he's like this. And so it was my job to protect the area that he couldn't see. I had to protect his blind side. I was pretty good at it. And we would have fun, me and the guy next to me. Sometimes we would make it our business to try to get as many pancakes as possible. Who knows what a football pancake is? Raise your hand. Not too many. I'm I'm, I'm offended that there's not enough football uh, (laughs) fans in here. Here's what it looks like, okay? If I'm blocking, and this other person is trying to get by me, if I block him to the point that I put him on his back, he got pancake. And so we, we would look to do this as many times as possible, especially if me and the guy next to me was double teaming the guy. We would get him down and we would say, Pancake dinner! We would taunt a little bit. This is when you could talk trash. This is, this is back in the day when you could talk that talk. And so on one particular play, I'll never forget, Uh, um, my quarterback threw an interception. (sighs) Now, what happens when the quarterback throws the interception is there's an instant change. The people that were on offense are now immediately on defense because the other team has the ball and they're trying to score. So now I've been talking trash, this is before Jesus, I've been talking trash the whole game. And my quarterback throws the interception and I see who caught the ball. So me being a veteran of playing football, I know I need to now stop trying to block and instead go and tackle and get the guy down. So I turn to go after the guy and the next thing I know, the whole world is spinning. What happened? Before I could fully turn, the guy that I had been tearing up all game Got me, I ain't seen him. And so he got me good, I'm talking about, I'm looking at the world spin around, okay? And so I knew that I had got blocked and I just took an L. It's one thing to know when you've been blocked. You can kind of deal with that a little bit, like all right, you know what, I'm gonna get you next time. I, 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 I'll take this L and i I'm gonna get you back though. You know, social media though, when you think about being blocked on social media, sometimes you don't even know. Right? I remember one time, years ago, I was on Twitter. And, you know, my wife and I, we do money stuff outside of church. And so this other money person was saying something that I thought was just dumb. But I, I was cool about it, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think, I think it's more like this X, Y, and Z. And so then I went back to kind of see what the response was, and it said, you've been blocked. I was like, I wasn't even that petty in the post, you know what I mean? I was just saying, like, you should look at it like this. But I got blocked. And it felt a, so, a certain kind of way. I was like, how dare you? I was just trying to have a conversation. I was attempting to educate you on how you could think about this a little bit, different. but anyway, I was, a little, I was a little bothered. But again, I was aware. But you know something? Sometimes you're blocked and you have no clue. That's the most dangerous type of block. So again, YouTube is a little bit different than all the other social media sites. Because on the other social media sites, you get blocked, you know it. You go there, you're like, oh, blocked, it says it, it tells you. The slick and sly thing about YouTube is this, because listen, we've we've been doing it a while, and so we get people that leave crazy comments, but we also get bots and robots that just say anything. And so we have this button that we can press that says blocked. But here's the thing, they don't know. They can still comment. They can still hit that like button, and they think they're getting to us. They think what they're saying is reaching us, but we don't see it, because we blocked them. But YouTube don't want them to be offended, because YouTube still wants them to use YouTube, and so they, they just can type away, like, oh, you're wrong. And we're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, because we don't see it. And that's, that's the worst, when you're putting all your effort to communicate to a source that ain't receiving your message. And that's the dangerous part about worshiping incorrectly. Because you can be in the flow in your mind. You could be singing the lyrics on the screen. You could be raising your hands and God ain't received it because you've you've been blocked. So the question is why? Why have I been blocked? Or here's a better question, what? What is causing me to be blocked? So here's a question we gotta ask ourselves. What is the greatest block to our worship? And I'm gonna answer the question right away, it's fear. Mm -hmm. Did you hear our scripture? The fear of human opinion disables. So it's because of our fear that we don't engage in worship properly. The fear of what, you might be asking? The fear of human opinion, the fear of rejection, the fear of what such and such who I don't even know might think about me if I worship a certain type of way, if I worship a little too, if I worship a little too often, what, what would they think about me? You know, I I have degrees. I'm a senior manager. I can't just be out there in front of the people any type of way. I have dignity about myself. We don't do that in my church. That's not the way I saw it coming up. So that's, that's cool, but it's not because it's not biblical to have that thought process. And so that's why we've been going to the word of God to figure out what does God say about worship. Because what God says about worship should carry more weight than what man says about worship. Remember our working definition of worship. Worship is love expressed. So it can't be worship without love. You can sing a song and just be singing and not worshiping because it's not coming from a place of love. You could be loving, but if it's not expressed love, it's not worship. So if you're singing in yourself with no words coming out your mouth, with your hands in your pocket, Scrolling on Facebook during worship, you're not worshiping because although you may love God, you're not expressing your love to God. Therefore, it cancels out the ability for it to qualify as worship. The greatest hindrance to our worship is the fear of men. We care more about what people think than what God thinks. Do you care more about what people think when you worship than what God thinks? That's a question you have to ask yourself. You analyze. you just spent 20 to 25 minutes in a form of worship and what was going on on the inside of you during that period of time? Did you want to do a little bit more but you began to eternally hesitate because you were wondering what will they think of me? I'm new, I just got here. I don't know these people like that. I don't want them tears flowing out my eyes right now not in front of these strangers. The question is, where do you place more value? Here's the definition of the fear of men, just in case you're wondering. Caring more about what people think than what God thinks. The fear of man is caring more about what people think than what God thinks. It's so quiet, which lets me know that I'm right on point. The fear of man is caring more about what people think than what God thinks. We saw this with the children of Israel. You remember Moses was up in the cloud talking to God and the people of God. Supposedly, they got a little antsy. They had worries, they had fears and concerns. And what you need to understand, again, is that we all worship, all of us. You're never not worshiping, but what we're usually worshiping is our fears. And so the children of Israel, let me see how many Bible readers, Sunday school graduates I got. They made a golden what? Golden calf. Why? Because they were starving that calf represented the thing that they were lacking the most. They were fearing of starving to death, so they created a golden calf that they could put their worship on in hopes that they would receive what they were fearing the most. That's why they made a golden calf and not a golden butterfly, because a butterfly can't produce no steak. If you don't worship God because you're afraid of what people think, then you're actually worshiping people. We're all worshiping. It's happening. You're never not worshiping. The question is, where are you placing your worship? When you decide that the opinion of people is greater than the opinion of God, you have proactively decided to worship people. You don't even know their name. Mm -hmm. You don't know where they live. You don't know what they do for a living. But just the fact that they might see you a certain type of way causes enough fear in your heart to block your worship. And you've been blocked by your fear. You've been blocked by the fear of rejection. You've been blocked by the fear of man, and now you're worshiping people that were created by the God that you're actually supposed to be worshiping. So, so then the second question since we, we understand that the thing that causes our worship to be blocked is fear, um, what causes that greatest block to our worship? So, if fear is the cause, what causes that fear? to block us, and so um, I think we should think back when you're studying the word of God and you're trying to figure something out, where where did it begin? And so when did fear come into the world? That's a good question. Since fear is the problem, where did fear come from? Garden of Eden, right? This is the the what year? This is the Genesis year for all nations of war. So let's go to Genesis three. We're gonna start at the eighth verse, NLT. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they what? Hid from the Lord. Now, if you pay close attention, that's the opposite of worship. Hiding from the presence of God is the opposite of worship because worship is entering the presence of God. Right. So they hid from the Lord. God among the trees. In verse 9, then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was, here it is, afraid (coughs) because I was naked. So what caused fear? Shame. What caused the shame? Sin. Sin. They made a choice opposite of God's instruction for their life, sin entered the world. They became ashamed and decided to exit and hide from the presence of God. So if fear is blocking you from worship, you fill in the blank. What's behind the fear? There was no fear until sin came into the world. They were good when God came into the presence. They were talking to God, they heard from God, they got instructions and downloads from God. There was no improper fear of God until sin came. Sin causes us to hide from God and feel ashamed. When we look at our lives and our frailties, we begin to feel so ashamed that we begin to feel unworthy of his presence. We don't feel that we qualify enter into his presence so we hide he didn't hide Adam and Eve they decided to hide from him and we do that way too often because all we see is our shortcomings. All we see is the areas of our lives that we need to grow in. All we see is the Bible verses we didn't read or or the prayer time that we didn't conduct or that we didn't sing the right way. We didn't pray the right way. I can't teach like that. I can't preach like that. Man, I'm not an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. I'm not an introvert. You just come up with a million reasons why you're disqualified to be in his presence. And what it really is is fear. You're really afraid when you don't have to be. Sin causes a separation from God and that separation, that distance that we put between ourselves and God is where fear takes up residence. We don't express our love to God in public when that happens because we're afraid of what others might think of us. We're afraid of not living up to other people's expectations of us self-made expectations that we have in our head. Because we sit in these services and we're like, man, I don't do it like that, so maybe I shouldn't do it at all. And that is fear, and that's you worshiping a person, and now that person that you don't even know has become an idol and a block between you and your access to be able to worship God. Some of us are so bound in fear that we don't even worship God in private. Ain't nobody even around. But fear has such a grip on our heart that we don't even try it when no one is around. We in the car, Maverick City come on, and we just still looking at other cars. Are they looking at me? Come on. They going to work. <laughs> they ain't thinking about you. Right. But you won't even lift the hand that's not on the steering wheel when Chandler hit that certain note, you know what they, you know, when they hit that, you know, Chandler hit that certain note and you want to go with him, but you like, <clears throat> you got your suit on, you got your makeup right, the hair right, so you're not trying to be unrefined and undignified in this car with these strangers. You can't even worship God right in private because fear of man has taken such a grip on your heart. It's a dangerous place. To be blocked and not even realize. So then the third question is what conquers what conquers that block to our worship? It's real simple. Acceptance. Acceptance. If you're battling the fear of rejection, if you're battling the fear of man, it's because you don't realize you are accepted. you don't understand that what you're trying to pursue, you already have. (laughs) All right, I'll go to the Bible then. Ephesians one. You don't believe what I'm saying. We need to understand that because Christ, because of Christ, the truth is not only are we going to be accepted one day, we're accepted now. We're not going to be accepted one day he already did what needed to be done, and we, we can be accepted now. Yes. Bible. Ephesians 1 and 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Yes. Hello? Yes. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Okay, I'll keep going. And chose us. Wait a minute. He not only loved us, but he chose you. In Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You've been trying to get what you already have. You're so busy giving your sin resume to God and to your mind that you think that you don't have what you have. It says without fault in his eyes. He's perfectly aware of who you are. He's perfectly aware of the unpolished version of you. You know, you have the church version of you that you come in here with on Sundays, and then there's that other real you when you walk out. He knows both versions of you with your bipolar self. He knows all of it, and he still chose you. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us. Advance to adopt us, and to his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. This is what he wanted to do. Are you starting to realize that you're accepted yet? This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure to do it. Verse 6, so we praise God. So our response to him loving us and choosing us and doing it because he wanted to do it is we praise God. Your response should be rooted in your acceptance. You have to decide I'm not rejected, I'm accepted. And your response to that realization should be a The worship team shouldn't have to pull you, shouldn't have to prime you, shouldn't have to pump you up like, yeah, it should be in you. When you realize that your messed up self has been already accepted by God, it should cause your hands to go up immediately. Because you know you don't deserve to be accepted, but you also know that you are. And when you know that you shouldn't, and at the same time know that you are, there should be nothing but praise and adoration coming from you every chance that you get. Because you realize, I've already been blessed, I've already been forgiven, I've already been adopted, I've already been accepted. When you come into agreement with those things, that fear melts away when we have the correct understanding of God's grace, we did that already, God's grace, when we have that understanding of just how much love we get that we don't deserve, that we haven't earned, your response should be praise. Your response should be adoration. I am saved by grace through faith and not works. I can't, I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. There's not a report card for me to get an A, B, C, D, or F on to then be qualified to worship. You were created to do it. You are doing it. But you have to decide who gets your worship, people or God. Who gets your worship? Because somebody's getting your worship. So let's decide collectively that fear will no longer block me from my worship. I will no longer be bound by fear of man. I will no longer be bound by the fear of rejection because my God in heaven has accepted me. And because he has accepted me what you think don't even matter. What you got to say has no merit because what he said is I'm accepted. What he said is I'm loved. What he said is I'm forgiven. So you can look at me like that if you want to. But me and God is on something else. Me and him is working through this. It ain't even really about what you think because I'm accepted. By him and so then here's the thought if fear has been what's been blocking me and now now I'm I'm slowly moving into the understanding that 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 fear is not what should be ruling me it, it's my acceptance that should be moving and ushering me into a more healthy place of worship and praise and how do I do that because it's important This is a a Bible-based church, I wanna make that clear. It's not a personality-based church, so I could come up here with clever words, God gave me a lot of that, but I want you to understand, what does the Bible say about my worship? Because God's words are way more clever than mine. God's words are way more impactful than mine. And so I want us to get to the place to where we are not just worshiping, but we're worshiping God's way. Is that okay? So let's look at Luke 19. I'm going to just go through it. It says, when he reached, and this is the he is Jesus, when he reached a place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to what? Were they like golf clapping? They began to what? They began to what? They began to what? Okay, they began to shout and sing as they walked along praising God For all the wonderful miracles he had done. Blessings on the king. This is what they say. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. You see that exclamation point? They weren't playing. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. You see that exclamation point? They weren't playing. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. See, this is what we do. We focus on style. Because my church ain't do it like that. When I was coming up, I don't think you should do it like that either. It don't take all that. That's them crazy Pentecostals running up and down the aisles. That's emotionalism. Those are all human words. Let's look at what God's word says. Verse 40, here's Jesus' response to what them Pharisees said. He replied, if they keep quiet, come on. If they keep quiet listening to you, that's fine. That don't bother me because even the stones. Do stones have mouths? Do do stones have vocal cords? But he said, you can shut the people up if you would like. But even if they do, because I'm God, even these stones along the road, will cry out and burst into cheers. And so that verse tells us this, that quiet golf clap stuff ain't biblical. Y'all okay? It says when, when Jesus came, they were shouting. They were singing, and they were walking with him, continu- throwing praise, as, as Jesus went, they went. Wherever he, they're, they're putting their praise on him. It was active, it was loud, it was communion. Yeah. They were doing it as a community. Yes. They wanted to make sure that Jesus was praised. Mm-hmm. And so, The biggest book in your Bible is the book of Psalms. And it's a song book. And I don't think that that song book being the biggest book was an accident. I think God loves worship so much that he made this huge book, 150 of them, because it's important to him because it means something to him. Who has read the book, The Five Love Languages? It's a great book. It's a game changer. In that book, it talks about that different people have different ways of receiving love. And so it's important that you understand when you're in a relationship with someone, how they receive love. Because if you give love in a way that they don't receive love, then they don't feel loved. Right? So my wife's, dominant uh, love language is quality time. And so in order for her to feel love, we have to spend quality time. If I do things other than that, it'll have some effect, but the way that she feels love the most is quality time. Me, I'm physical touch, so you can do stuff, that's cool, but touch me. That's how I feel love. And so it's important, I just, I'm just being funny so y'all get the point. If God is where you're trying to place your worship and express your love, it's important to know how does God receive love? Because if you're doing a bunch of stuff that's not the way that he receives love, then you're wasting your time like those people on our YouTube channel just typing away and we don't know what they are talking about. We don't see it. Because you have to give God love in the way that he receives love. So the best place to find the ways in which he receives love is in the book of Psalms. And so we're gonna look at where this word, this praise and worship concept is in the book of Psalms. And if you go through the book of Psalms, you'll find that there's seven different ones, seven different ways that God receives love. And the first one is Halil, Halil. You'll notice that that is the root word of the word that we just got through singing earlier, hallelujah, right? The Lujah part is to God. And the halil part is to rave, boast, and celebrate. To rave, boast, and celebrate. None of those words are cute or quiet. It's expressive. It's loud. It's boisterous. God want to feel something with your praise. And so that's in Psalm 35 and 18. I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will halil you before all the people. I'm not gonna be quiet about it. I don't care who's looking. Matter of fact, I want people to see that you're my God and that I love you. It's boisterous. It's no shyness about it. I want people to know that I love God. The second one is yada. Say yada, come on, we're gonna gonna go to Hebrew class today. Yada means to acknowledge in public to acknowledge in public. So when they run up on you and Maverick City is on, turn it up, let the windows down, and start crying and waving like, thank you, Jesus! <laughs> it's public. It's a public declaration. You find that in Psalm 138 and one, it says, I will yada you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will acknowledge you publicly my love for you is going to be known by as many people as i can show it to i want people to know about my relationship with i want people to know that you're worthy of praise i yada you i acknowledge you and this is how god receives worship think about this then go back to genesis when you had cain and abel they both offered up a sacrifice but only one was accepted Because you have to love God in the way that he receives And the definition of worship is love Expressed so you have to express it in the way that he receives it. Are you with me? number three is Barak. Barak means to bless by kneeling or bowing. Now, we learned a, a, a Hebrew word from Eric last week, which is different. That's Shaka, and that's a, a different type. That's a bow to the, to the ground with face to the dirt. This is more of a, a, of a bow like this or a kneeling where you're still in the visible presence of the Lord, but you're doing it in a way that's, that's a blessing, right? Think about uh, this same word is used in the story where Isaac blessed jacob he put his blessing on him for his future he gave him his inheritance and that's why his brother was so mad like he said bless me too he's like but i can't i've already baracked your brother and so that's what god wants from us he wants us to bless him he wants us to bow before him in such a way that he feels you and your worship that's found in psalms 103 and 1. let all that I am, Barak the Lord with my whole heart. I will Barak his holy name. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Next one is Zamar. Say Zamar. Come on, we're in Hebrew class today. That means making music to God with strings. And so that's why we said that worship music isn't worship, but it is a type.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? It's not exclusive to what happens here when songs are going forth and the minstrels are playing, but it is a form of worship. Zamar is when we use music to praise the Lord. And that's found in Psalms 92 and one, it is good to zamar the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. If I were you, I would, I would infuse worship music into as many parts of my life as possible. I will try to create atmospheres from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed just to have that presence with God, to be in the flow with God. Music is a great tool and a great form of worship to help you do just that. Are you with me? Yeah. The next one should be familiar if you grew up in, in a chocolate church in the 90s. It's Shabbat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we didn't know what we were saying, but they put a good beat behind it we like, Shabbat, hallelujah. We didn't know what we were saying. But it had a good beat. (laughs) I don't know why I'm so crazy today. (laughs) Shabbat means to address in a loud tone to what? Shout. To shout. And that's found in Psalm 63 and 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall shabbat. You, loud. I'm giving you what the Bible says. So you're going to have to decide, do I believe the word of God or not? When it comes time for worship, am I going to do it the biblical way or just the way that I've seen it done or just the way that I've heard it done? Or am I going to use the Bible to inform my life? That's a decision you're going to have to make. But you're going to be held accountable because I did gave you a Hebrew class today. So on that day, on that glorious day, yes. God going to pull up this sermon. And be like, why didn't you listen? Yes. Next one. Told I. Y'all know this one from that same song. Yes. It's a mess. <laughs> to lift hands in adoration. To lift hands in adoration, so to raise your hands and worship is biblical, biblical. It's a form of worship that God accepts. He receives, he loves, he wants you to todah him and that's found in Psalm 50 and 23. He who offers a sacrifice of todah and thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way rightly, who follows the way that I show him, I shall show the salvation of God. Now, uh, our first um, uh, Hebrew word was halil, which involves uh, a lifting of the hands, but that form of lifting of the hands is an acknowledgement, right? If I said, who loves Jesus? Raise your hand. That's an acknowledgement, right? That's what halil is. But this form, todah, is surrender. You put your hands up, I give up. I surrender. It's totally different. It has a different feel, it has a different vibe. Surrender means that I have no choice. Right, if there was a gun to my head, somebody said stick them up. I'm gonna stick them up, because I don't have a choice, because my life is on the line. So, when God says, I would love for you to tot out, yeah. He's saying, raise your hands as an act of surrender to me. When you're surrendered, you don't care about anything else. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> surrender isn't situational, surrender has nothing to do with your circumstances, it has to do with you giving up. I have nowhere to go. I have no other option. The only thing I can do in this moment is surrender. That's toda. Last one. Tahila, not tequila. (laughs) Tahila, which means exuberant singing. Exuberant singing. And that's in Psalm 34 and 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. And this is why I said it's not tequila. His tahila shall continually be in my mouth, not tequila. His tahila shall be in my mouth, not tequila. Y'all gonna remember this word, though. His tahila shall continually be in my mouth. So exuberant singing is not... Um, quiet, it's not um, it's not uh, abashed it's with energy it's with excitement it's with joy it's with gladness that I sing to you even if life ain't going the way that I mapped it out I still sing and praise (laughs) and worship you because you're good you're great. You're awesome. You're wonderful in all your ways. I love you. Yes. And it's not it's not situational. So what what does God say about about this, though? Right. We, we, we looked at the Psalms and, you know, different people wrote different songs. But what's what's Jesus's standpoint on this? And, and I think that a good place to look uh, for Jesus's position on this is in the book of, of Mark and it's in the 12th chapter. Uh, Starting at the 28th verse it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked, of all the commandments. Now, I wanna be clear. Sometimes we read about the teachers, uh, Pharisees, the Sadducees, and we automatically put them in a box of the bad guys. This guy's heart was right. He was asking a very honest question because when he says all the commandments, he's not talking about 10. Remember, I've taught you that there weren't just 10 commandments. There were 613. And so he's asking like, Lord, listen, I'm, I get what you're saying. I wanna, you know, I wanna get with the program there's <laughs> well, it's a lot of commandments, yo. Like, how am I supposed to keep 613 every day? So he was asking God an, or Jesus an honest question. He said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Because if you tell me that, I can, at least I can put some extra energy on that. What is the most important commandment? Verse 29, the most important one, answered Jesus. Is this. Now, what he's about to say is a quote from the book of Deuteronomy, something that Moses said. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 4. And verse 30, here's the answer. Remember, the question is, what's the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It's love. It's love. What's the definition of worship? It's love expressed. expressed. So Jesus' standpoint is this. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This This is his answer to what's most important. Now, if you just pause for a second. Was Jesus around when those 613 commandments were created? The answer is yes. He's been here since the beginning. So Jesus could have easily said, all of them. What you mean, which one? I wrote all of them. They all important. That's what y'all do with y'all kids. But Jesus said, "Ah, there is one. There is one that is most important and it's to love your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. So let's break that apart for a second and that's a lot in one verse. So the first part is this, all your heart and soul, what does that look like? Expressing my affection to God. So then the question you gotta ask yourself, is what do I love the most? What do I love the most? What do I love the most? Because you're gonna express it. Our worship is a response to what we love the most. And we were created to worship, and we always are worshiping. So you have to answer that question for you. What do I love the most? Because that's where my worship is going. When God's request is for me to love him with my heart and my soul, that means I need to position my heart and my soul in the direction to express love to him in that way. Then it said, with all your mind, what are you thinking about God? What are your thoughts about God? A.W. Tozer has a quote that says, what we think about God is what's most important about us. What we think about God is what's most important about us. What are your thoughts toward him? Do they go up and down based on your situation? Do they go up and down based on the stock market? Do they go up and down based on your job, keeping you gainfully employed or promoting you or your relationship with your spouse or with your, what? what are your thoughts about God? Do you have any? Are they exclusive to Sunday? Or is he always on your mind? Are you loving him with your mind? Are you loving him with your thoughts? Or is your mind full of worry and doubt and fear? What are your thoughts about him? He's asking you to focus your mental attention to him. He's asking you to love him even with your your thoughts. And the last one, he said to love him with all your strength. That means that you should be using your abilities to worship God. You shouldn't visit 17 times, am I okay, you shouldn't visit Seventeen times without saying once or having a thought like man, you know, I have gifts. I have strengths I have abilities that I could surrender to this house to give God my worship with my Abilities that's what he means to worship him with all your strength Help us put some signs up. Come on He wants you to worship him with all your heart soul your mind And your strength Maybe some of you came in here not realizing that you've been blocked. That your worship has been hindered by your fear. And you've just been trying to tap in. Hey, hey. God ain't heard nothing. What well, we walked through here is the road out to go from being blocked being unblocked, to having full access. Here's the problem. When you're blocked, you can't walk in the fullness of what God has for you. You can't be all that God created you to be without worship. You can't do it. He is love, and so he expects love. And so if your worship isn't where it needs to be, you you, you can't be who he created you to be in fullness. And so you have to go from fear of rejection to whole assuredness about your acceptance. When you go and you realize that you are accepted, then you now have to give him love in the way in the way that he receives love. So I'm gonna close with with this last scripture because I don't want to leave any any doubt um, about the access that we have to the father he doesn't force it but he makes himself available and I want you to hear this I just want you to clear out the thoughts in your mind for a second and listen to this Jeremiah 29 13 it says when you come looking for me You will find me Hey If you start looking for him no matter what you came in here with No matter how many burdens you walked into these doors with no matter how many doubts that were in your mind about whether you're qualified good enough His word says, when you, when you come looking, he's he's available. He's waiting. He's waiting on you to come looking. When you come looking for me, you will find me. Now, Here's the tough part. When you get serious, when you stop playing, when you stop making excuses, when you get, when you get serious about finding me, and want it more than anything else, that's that's when you're gonna find it. Yes. That's where that connection gets stronger. It's when you get serious, yeah. more serious than anything else. He says you'll find me. <laughs> I haven't moved. I haven't turned my back on you. I haven't forsaken you. When you get serious about finding me, you will find me. That's why this this whole conversation about worship is important, because that's how you find him. It's through your worship. He's not lost. He's waiting, and when you and I decide, and we get serious about this decision, he says, he says, you'll find me. So the worship team is coming, and you're gonna have an opportunity to get serious about finding him. You are gonna have an opportunity to say, Lord, here am I. Lord, I'm ready, Lord, I want to lift my hands, I want to sing exuberantly, I want to bow before you, I want to give you love in the way that you receive love from this moment forward. Isn't it good to know that we're accepted by the Father? Isn't it good to know that He decided to love us before we decided to even try to love Him? Yeah. It's important, this moment that we're about to enter into. Because I believe that there are some here that have kind of not been serious in their pursuit. Remember the the verse said that once you get serious in your pursuit of Him is when you'll find Him. So for some, there's been a half-hearted pursuit. For some, there's, there, there hasn't been a pursuit at all. And so I don't want you to miss an opportunity to pursue Him. I don't want you to miss an opportunity to surrender your life to Him. So I'm going to count to three and I want you to not fear man not worry about what man has to say. I'm not going to have you come down or do anything but on the count of three I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand to heaven in acknowledgement of I need to surrender my life to God or maybe I need to re-surrender my life to God. Think about that for a moment. This is, this is an opportunity you shouldn't Let pass you by. So all eyes closed. On the count of three, if you find yourself in that number needing to surrender your life to the Lord, or recommit it back to him, I want you to just raise your hand so heaven can see it. One, two, three. Go ahead, raise that hand. Raise that hand. I see you. 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 You can put your hands down. No one here prays alone, and so we're going to walk through a prayer. Because the word declares that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So we're gonna pray this collectively Father God in heaven We love you We acknowledge you As the true and living son Of God We surrender our life to you right now We understand That we are a sinner In need of a savior So come into our hearts and change our lives forever. Become the Lord of our lives so that we can serve you forever. From this day forward, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All nations, can we go crazy for those decisions? Wow. Wow. It's so amazing. It's so amazing to know that God loves us to the degree that He was willing to get up off His throne despite how messed up and sinful we have been and take our place on that cross. He did it, He did it for us. It's such an amazing moment when anybody decides to surrender their life to the Lord and we don't take it for granted. We honor each and every one of you that made that decision. We celebrate each and every one of you who has now taken that step to surrender your life to the Lord and pursue Him seriously. Also, if the Lord has impressed upon your heart that all nations of Aurora should be your church. We would love to be your church, and my wife and I would love to be your pastors. So we make it real simple. You can go out to the new um, check-in desk. Start here. Thank you, wife. My co is helping me. The start here desk is a big sign that says, new here, start here and fill out that connection card and put, I want to join this church. You can text to join. You can scan this QR code to join as well. Or Some of our Dream Team members, they have lanyards on and you can put your phone on and you can become a part of this house. We try to make it simple for you to obey God. So we have come to the end of this service, but not the end of your journey. I want you to pursue Him. Even after you leave this building, make it your business. I'm going to worship God in the way that He receives. I'm going to express my love to Him because He deserves it.
0: Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.